Go ahead and grab out your Bible and something to take some notes, everybody. Uh, I've got a message on my heart today. We're in week number two of our Pray series. Uh, and I want to start off the message today by asking you a question, all right? So you can grab out your notes and your Bible and your pens and your water and your phones and your tea and your coffee. And then I've got a question for you where you've got to raise your hand. So put all those things aside. And here's how I want to start it off. How many of you would say, how many of you, and I'm going to ask the question, think about it, then answer. How many of you would say you believe in the power of prayer? Anybody today? You would say, I believe that God hears our prayers, that he answers. I just give in to peer pressure because everybody else raised their hand. How many of you would just say, I believe in the power of prayer? And hands up, come on, how many would say that? How many would say, though, I don't pray as often as I should? Anybody there today? Any hands go down? Come on, where are the spiritual people? Put your hands down. All the rest of us. How many say, I I just don't, I, I know I believe in the power. God hears us, the effectiveness of our prayers, but I don't pray as often as I should. Why do you think that is? Why is it like 80% of us, we believe in the power of prayer, but we don't pray as often as we should? I want to talk about that a little bit, but I want to do it by looking at the life of Jesus today. Because I don't think we can have a pray series without looking at the one who modeled it for us. Who prayed the way we're supposed to pray. Because if there's one constant in the life of Jesus, if you read the Gospels, if there's one thing that is constant in every part of his life, no matter how crazy things got, No matter how dumb the decisions his disciples made, no matter what the Roman government decided to do, no matter what the Pharisees and the Sadducees, no matter what anything happened around him, no matter the chaos, if there was one constant, it's that Jesus sought the Father in prayer. If you read about his life, you can kind of skip over anything you want, but you can put your finger anywhere in the gospel, and I promise you that Jesus is praying. That there's a constant that he always prioritized the presence of God in prayer. And did it ever work? You look at the life of Jesus and you see how his prayer life transformed everything about his life. That he was able to be obedient to the Father in every situation. Obedient to the point of the cross. That he loved those who hated him, who despised him, who used him. That he still returned love to those who did not return love to him. That he was able to live his life full of mercy and grace. That he was able in every situation to move. Every situation to be what he wanted to be in that moment. That this life of prayer, he was able to be faithful, that he healed people, that he showed love to those. And so when I look at the life of Jesus, I want to live like he lived and I want to love how he loved. And honestly, I think a lot of us would say that. That's what I wanted. So if I want what Jesus had, I should probably pray like Jesus prayed. But we don't. And so where's the disconnect there? We're going to talk a little bit about that because I think a lot of times we can come to realizations in our mind. We can think, okay, I want that. I want to pray consistently. I want to pray effectively. And we can get even into this kind of a message and hear a message on prayer and think, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds like something I should do in my life. And then we go off and we don't. And so where's the disconnect there? Why don't we pray as effectively or as consistently as we would like to? Well, I just took a few that I have learned just in my short time as a pastor. Just some things, three reasons I've seen why we don't pray consistently. And you might find yourself in one of these reasons. I think I found myself in most of them. But we want to pray. And here's the first one is that we simply lose focus. So we want to pray. Like I said, we hear messages about praying. We read about it. We see it modeled for us. We want to do it. And then we get into the moment and we're all enthused, right? We get our worship music going. We got our our tea kind of brewed to the right temperature. We got our Instagram photo of our Bible and our devotional. We got everything set. We want to pray and we just lose focus. We get into, and this is my reason, by the way, because I get in like five minutes in and I'm just like thinking about everything but God. 
Like I, I get in, I've, I've decided I'm going to pray, I'm going to have this moment, and then I'm thinking like what I need to do tomorrow, and what I didn't do today, and what's on my list, and what I didn't check off, and who I'm supposed to call, who's supposed to call me, what text. We get into all of this, and we just simply lose focus. We don't focus enough, and we think about it, and then we feel this guilt of I should be praying, and then right then our mind just starts working about what we need to do the next day or the next. We lose focus. Or some of us, if we're not being super spiritual today, we just get bored. Can we say that in church? Come on, somebody. All you spiritual people can judge me from the back. I want to talk to real people today. You, you pray for a really, really long time, and sometimes you get bored in the midst of it. When I was a teenager in high school, I used to pray right before I would go to sleep, which was a recipe for disaster, all right? That's just not biblical in any way. Because I get like three words out, and then it was morning. It was just magical. It would like become... Just morning time. And I would feel so guilty thinking God was like sitting there like you didn't sign off. Like there was no amen. Like, wait, like you're going to burn where the worm never dies. And you're going to like, I, I felt this guilt in that thing because I, I chose the wrong moment as a teenager for when to pray. But we feel this thing. Why don't we pray effectively? We just lose focus. Some of us, some of us, we got it. We, it's not that we lose focus. We just, we don't have this, this commitment to prayer. Anybody have something like that? Sometimes we lose focus, but sometimes to pray consistently, watch this, we, we lack confidence. And so we, we're in this, this season of prayer, or we're in this time, but when we pray, we just lack confidence. We just don't know how to do it. And so we go into these moments, we'll set aside the time, we'll, we'll make the thing on our calendar, but then we get into that hour we've set aside, and we're like, I don't know what to do. I'm just really, really, you realize I'm bad at praying. And it gets worse, by the way, if you have somebody in your life who is good at praying. Anybody have somebody like that who's in your life? Anybody want to admit? Like they are just, if there was professional praying, they would be like sponsored by prayer.com. Like you just have that, like you just had their, their channel would be sponsored. All that. Like you have somebody like that, you're listening to them and you're thinking, I just don't even know how to pray. Like they're just doing, and they know all the words to say, right? They know, they're, they're rattling off like they are a prayer warrior and you are a prayer marshmallow. Come on, somebody. Like they just, anybody ever felt it? We should be honest today. Like some of you people don't want to be honest in God's house. Come on. Like they, they're rattling off the words. Yeah, they're saying lamentations and Thessalonians. And you're like, are those words? Are they like even, like are they even? And they know all the names of God. Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi. And you're over here like, uh, Jehovah Nisan Maxima. Come on, somebody maximize us for the glory of God. Come on, I just, you're trying, but you just don't know. You get asked to pray for the meal and it's, you know, God bless this meat. Now let's eat. Come on, somebody. God. We have these minds and we laugh, but we think, I just don't know how to pray. I'm just not good at it. I'm not as good as them, so I shouldn't even do it. You know, one of the things I dislike the most about being a pastor, there's not many of them, but you know what one of the ones is, is that people will pray differently when you are around. It's amazing. I'm just going to throw this out. It's incredible. You, I, I just want to set some of you free, but people will pray longer. You ask them to pray for a meal, they'll pray longer just because you are at the table. Let me just set some of you free today. I want to eat just as quickly as everybody else. Come on. Come on. I just said, I just said, that one's free for you. All right. It's just, <laughs> we lack confidence. Where are we? We're in the sermon some here. We lose focus. We lack confidence. Some of us, we just need faith. Sometimes we go into this prayer time and we're just because we've always done it and we don't think anything's actually going to change, but we just need faith. We don't pray as consistently as we should because we think, well, God's not hearing my prayers. Well, it didn't happen like I thought it would, so God must not care about me. And we go into this situation, we don't pray as consistently as we should because we've convinced ourselves that God must not care. 
Now, we talked about this a whole lot last week. You can listen to it online. But probably, I would just, probably you have your own story of that. Where you somehow got yourself convinced that maybe God's not listening. And so we don't pray as consistently as we should because we just need faith. So then what is prayer? If we're going to talk about it this morning, what is prayer? And understand what it is. I want to kind of start today and I want to talk about what it's not. Is that okay with you guys? Can we, can we talk about what prayer is not? Because I think too often we get misperceptions about what prayer is. So listen to me. Prayer is not a formal presentation. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. So prayer is not you get the right robes on and you go to the right spot and you sing the right song. And at that moment, then you can clasp your hands together in prayer. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is not like you kneel down at this certain spot or you wear this certain type of clothes or you start using language that you never use in any other part of your life. We beseech you, oh, fight. You learn Latin like overnight. That's not what prayer is, everybody. Prayer is not some formal presentation before God. Prayer is not giving God your wish list. Come on, that'll hit a little deep in the church today. Prayer is not you just bring your cosmic wish list to the the eternal vending machine and just hope that God pops out whatever it is that you're asking for. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is not God is some magical genie. If you just rub the lamp and you say the right words, he'll give you whatever. He's not a spiritual vending machine, everybody. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is also not spiritual negotiation. Prayer is not where you tell God, well, I'll stop this if you'll just do that. I will never cuss again if you just do whatever it is. I'll never do this if you just... Prayer is not spiritual negotiation. It's not you trying to win the favor of God. That's not what prayer is. It's not a show to impress people. Prayer is not a lot of things that we think it is. And I think sometimes we have misconstrued prayer. In fact, if we look at the way that Jesus lived and see how he interacted with with God, what we understand is that prayer is not just one time thing that we do. Prayer is a life that we live. Prayer is a posture of life that we live. We live in this posture of prayer. And so if we look at the life of Jesus where he prayed all the time, he would go off to pray to the Father. Constantly, he would go off to pray. He'd go up on the mountainside. He'd go to the lake. He'd get away from people. He would silence the crowds. He would put people out of the house. Jesus would seek the Lord in prayer in every moment of his life. He was constantly seeking the Father. All throughout. It wasn't just this one-time thing he did at the beginning of his ministry. Then he's all prayed up, and so he's good. No, prayer was a posture of life that he lived. He would lift up his voice in the middle of a crowd and just pray to the Father. Prayer was something Jesus did all of the time to fully connect to God. In fact, if we look in the gospel, it's fascinating to see exactly when Jesus prayed. When did he pray? We made this graphic for you. When did Jesus pray? He prayed at his baptism. He prayed in the morning before he went to Galilee. He prayed after healing. He prayed the night before he chose his disciples. I'm not going to read all of them. There's a lot of them up here, everybody. He prayed all throughout, just a couple more. He prayed before raising Lazarus for little children. He prayed for them, asked the father to glorify his name. He prayed on his way to the cross. He prayed on the cross. He prayed as he gave his last breath, always in prayer. And so if you look at the life of Jesus, he modeled for us. It's not a one-time thing that we do. It's not some action that we take. Prayer is a life that we live constantly in connection with the father. I'm going to show you that in verses in just a few moments, but I want you to get this idea. When did Jesus pray? All of the time. And there were times where he had to shut up the crowd and get alone. But then there were times where he's in the middle of everything happening and he still lifted his voice and prayed because he understood his connection with the Father. When do we pray? All of the time. Jesus prioritized the presence of God. And this is just the moments that four guys decided to write down. Can you imagine how many times in his life Jesus prayed? How often he was connected with the Father? prioritize the presence. Now, imagine a lot of you would say what a lot of people would say when they look at a list like this. And that's like, that's great, but I don't have time to pray like that. 
And I would tell you, if you say that, I don't have time to pray. I would tell you what a pastor told me one time. You don't have time not to pray. I guarantee you, you, you can prioritize or deprioritize a lot of things in life. You do not have time not to spend in prayer because it is the most important time that you will spend aligning yourself with God, asking him for his guidance, inviting his presence and his strength in your life. The moments you spend that are most valuable are when you spend them seeking the face of God. And Jesus understood that in his life. Asking him about it, because I don't know about you, man, but it is tough out there. Like, I don't know if you've realized that in your life or not. Maybe you live in a bubble. You can invite all of us to live in there with you. But it is tough to live in the world today, to keep your witness in the midst of people who are contentious and grouchy and divided, to go out and to be full of love and peace and joy in the midst of chaos. It's difficult to do. It's difficult to keep your witness in front of those that all they want to do is needle or divide. It's tough to have your witness stay strong in that. We need these times of prayer. I don't know what you would say about that, but I need his strength in my life. I got to have God's presence in my life. I need to ask him every day for direction and for encouragement and for strength to open my eyes. Honestly, in no other way than to get our pride off of ourselves and to see others who are right in front of us. We need him in our life. We got to seek him in prayer. And so if we're going to model a life like Jesus lived, we're going to live a posture of prayer, praying all of the time as a disciple of Jesus. We should understand that in our lives as disciples of Jesus, we seek God in every situation. We got to begin to believe what it is that we're reading in his word, that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. I think sometimes we skip over it and we think, well, that's just a nice verse to say. No, we're in it, but we're not of it. And so if we're going to actually set our eyes on what's eternal, we've got to set our hearts and our prayers on who is eternal. We got to get our eyes off of the temporary and set it on him. We got to get our, our pride and our eyes off of self-gratification and set it on the one who brings himself glory. We, we've got to get our eyes off of ourselves. We got to ask him in prayer in every single moment. And so as we look at the life Jesus lived, every moment of his life in prayer. And I love how he directs us. It's our first point for today. But in Matthew, Jesus directs you. He says, get, a, get alone in prayer. He says, find a place, find a secluded place when you pray. Shut yourself in a closet. When you pray, get away from the crowds. When you pray, do it. And he's saying it because he's saying, don't, don't do it in front of others. The verse before talks about, don't be a hypocrite who blows their trumpet and then prays. And one commentary I read, it said, do this so that you won't be tempted to role play before God. I like that. That in your prayer time, get alone where nobody can see you. So you won't be tempted to play this, this role that you've somehow concocted in your head. That this is who I should be, this super spiritual Christian. That this is the words I... No, get alone before God. So you're not tempted to role play. Get alone before God and just pray. And so the first point, you can jot it down if you're taking notes. The first point is just find a place. Find a place to pray. I I don't know if you have a place already. Maybe somewhere you can get alone with God. Maybe it's a chair in your house. Or maybe it's a, a place that you walk. Or maybe it's by your bedside. I told you that's dangerous, everybody. But maybe it's your couch in your living... Wherever it is, find a place that you can pray, that you can seek God. Have a prayer place. And listen, I know what some of you are thinking. You got three kids under six, right? You don't have a place. Pray in the bathroom, everybody. Just go in there and just pray. Lock the door and you got about four minutes. You got four minutes to just lift up prayers and lamentations to God. Because four minutes, they're going to find you. Everybody who has little children, you know this. And about five minutes, their little fingers are going to come under the door screaming, where are you? And you just hit them with your Bible, everybody. Just smack those fingers. That's free. That's free for you today. Find a place to pray. Find a secluded place. It doesn't have to be every time. Jesus prayed in the midst of crowds. He prayed on the mountainside. But find a spot that you can get away. You can pray. 
Jesus got alone so often. I just say, just block out the daily priorities and distractions for that moment. Put the phone aside for just a couple of minutes. If I could just encourage you, I know I harp on it all year long. You're tired of hearing me say it. But if I could just tell you, put it aside for just a few moments. I promise you, whatever they post on Instagram will still be there when you're done. I probably, And it will still be mostly meaningless. Come on, somebody. It will... I probably don't check your text messages in the middle of it. Whatever conspiracy video they sent you, there will be a new one tomorrow. I promise. I promise you. That went over well. I can feel that today. I promise you. It'll still be there when you're done. But prioritize prayer. Seeking the face of the Father. Prioritize those moments. Find a place that you can pray. Disconnect from this world. And why do you need to do that? Because intimacy is never accidental. You don't just fall into a great relationship with God. It's not like, well, I'm just anxious all the time and depressed and I don't have any time to pray or do anything with God's people and I just don't do all these things and I'm just so worried every day and man, my relationship with God is phenomenal. That's not what happens. You don't accidentally fall into a great... If you didn't spend any time with your spouse at all, I promise it's not a great relationship. If you don't spend any time with those friends, I promise it's not a great relationship. You don't accidentally just fall into a great relationship with God, you have to set aside time. That you say, okay, now is the time I'm going to prioritize the prayer before God. And you get alone with Him and you're just still before God. I promise you, find a place to pray. And then you ask, well, what do we pray about? And the answer is really, really easy. Everything. You pray about everything. You pray about what you care about. You pray about what breaks your heart. You pray about the things that you're going through. You pray about the things your family is going through. You pray about everything. Paul said this, watch this in Philippians 4, 6. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. If it's on your heart, bring it to God's heart. If it's on your day, bring it to God. Ask him about things. Talk to him like a friend because he is. And so oftentimes we hold things back. We're like, well, God doesn't want to hear about that. Or I'm going to handle that. I'm going to bring everything before the throne. And honestly, the secret in that verse is there. You want to not worry about anything, you pray about everything. You want to kind of cast your cares on him because you've heard that verse before. You pray about everything. You bring it to the heart of God. You bring it to the feet of God. I promise you, if you've got questions for him or you're mad at him, I promise you, bring it to his feet. He can handle it. Sometimes I'm going to offend God. I just, I just, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to bring, I'm mad at him, but I'm not going to bring it to his feet. The Bible is full of people who were full of anguish and didn't know why and had questions and ran to the father. So many times we make the worst decision in our lives by not going to him in those moments. When we have doubts, when we're struggling, when we have questions about why we run to his feet. That's where we find strength for today. That's where we find what gets us through these moments that hurt the most. That's where we find peace in our lives. You pray about everything. You talk to him like he's a close friend because he is. It's not just an act. It's a friendship. It's a relationship. We talk about that a lot around here. If you haven't understood what that is, it means we can go to him with anything because he loves us. So why is it that we still struggle to pray? Why is it we still try? I would say in many ways it's because we tend to compartmentalize our lives. And so I was trying to think of a example for you guys how many of you grew up eating tv dinners anybody grew up like you ate frozen tv dinner come on you could admit it everybody go ahead i didn't grow up eating them but i found them in college in a bad way it was just it was bad everybody all right so i just one dollar banquet meals three dollar hungry guy meals come on i know the the routine but throw that picture up there for me how many grew up eating these things honestly i think we live our lives like this i think so many of us we compartmentalize our lives 
<laughs> some of you, some of you getting hungry, some of you getting queasy. We're just, <laughs> we're going to divide the church right here. But come on, you got, this is, this is, some of us, we grew up, right? We compartmentalize. We got this, at the bottom, got this mystery meat going on here. Got this turkey or chicken, we don't really, penguin, we don't know what this really is down at the bottom. Then you got, you got your mashed potatoes, right? You got your peas that are good for mashing. God only knows what's at the top in the middle. <laughs> I don't, oh, that's, that's good there. I don't know what that... Take that off of there. I'm getting queasy over that. <laughs> I've eaten a lot of those, everybody. Now, put that back up there. We're going to talk about this. Somebody, a lot of us, we compartmentalize our lives. This is how we set up it. So I got, I've got like my, my work life, right? I got my family. I got my church life. Like I got spirituality over there. We, and never the two shall mix, which is a rule of frozen dinners as well. I just want to let you know that. But we compartmentalize and we say, no, these things, they just don't mix. Anybody ever had somebody cross over from one compartment to the other? Like a work friend, like shows up at a family function and your mind is like blown. Like you're like, why are you here? Like, what are you... What are you doing here? Like, I don't know how to act. I don't know what to do. But we compartmentalize our lives. And we keep everything in different compartments. And we think, what I want you to understand is, God is not just a part of your life. God is not just in a compartment. He doesn't want to be a part of your five minutes in the morning. Of just, you know, praise God, I hope today goes well. Hope you have a good day. Go off. God's not in hair rollers and a robe kissing you goodbye at the bus stop, everybody. All right? That's not... That's not what God wants. I hope today goes really well. I'll see you same time, same thing tomorrow. God is not a part of your life. He is your life. God is in every part of your life that matters. God is who we, it's when we follow him as disciples of Jesus, that's who we are called to be. We're not compartmentalizing God into just his top left quadrant. God is in every part. If we are true followers of Jesus, this is not how our life should look. That in every single part of it, we follow him. And he promises, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He's in every part of our life. That he's with us in every moment. And so when we realize that, our prayer life changes. It's not just the thing we do in the morning, because that's when we pray. No, we pray all throughout the day, because it's a life that we live. It's a posture that we live in. In fact, I'm going to show you a verse. If you're looking for a memory verse that's easy to memorize, Jesus wept is a pretty good one. Pretty easy to, to memorize there. But an equally probably easy one to memorize, I'm going to show you. And honestly, I would skip over this verse so often because it would make me feel guilty. I would have prayer guilt when I would read this verse. But I want to show it to you in maybe a little bit different way than you've thought about it before. And this is out of First Thessalonians 5.17. I want to read it to you in three different versions. But listen to what it says in the New Living. It says, never stop praying. Read that with me. We have a little conversation here. Never stop praying. And then in the NIV, pray with it. Pray continually. And then in the King James, pray without ceasing. And I would read that verse and I would get prayer guilt. Like, I can't pray five minutes without getting in there. I would just feel like, Lord, I am a failure. I cannot pray because I can't pray all the time. Never stop. I can't breathe and start to pray. I would feel like a failure until I realized what this verse is saying, until I studied the life of Jesus to see what it meant to pray continually, to pray all the time. And that was that we always live in this attitude of prayer, this conversation with God that never stops. That we're always in the moment with it. Smith Wigglesworth said one time, I never pray more than 20 minutes. When everybody looked really shocked at him, he said, I never go more than 20 minutes without praying. We have this conversation with God that doesn't stop. Honestly, it's like, and you can take this or leave it. It's how I picture it. But if you've ever been on the phone with somebody, maybe a close family member or a friend, somebody you're really close with, 
And you're at work when you're not supposed to be on your phone. And suddenly your boss walks in and you put the phone down. You don't hang up, but you just kind of put it down. Because maybe one, you want them to hear how crazy your boss is. You just want them to hear that. And that boss says whatever, does whatever. And you just pick the phone right back up and you're back in the conversation. Or someone that you're close with and you just continue to have that all throughout the day. You're constantly texting and calling. It's this, this conversation that never stops. We pray without ceasing because we know that he's with us always. And so all throughout the day, we're lifting it up. All throughout the day, we're praying. All throughout the day, we're going to him in prayer. We're praying continuously. This awareness that God never leaves us or forsakes us. He's with you. And so you can talk with him anywhere, anytime. You don't have to be at some golden altar, right? With your hands folded and organs playing. You don't have to. You can pray as you're driving down the road in your truck. You can pray as you're going to school. You can pray in the midst of those things. You can pray when your coworkers are about to make you lose your salvation. You can pray in the midst of everything. You can pray when your kids are getting on your nerves. You can pray for grace from God that you don't let out what you really want to let out. You can pray. Pray when you're late to church on Sunday mornings. You're about to lose your witness out there on the roads of Baton Rouge. You can pray in every moment. We pray because he's with us. We pray when we're talking to God, we're having this conversation. We pray without ceasing that Jesus in every moment of his life, you read it. He would just lift up his voice and pray, Father, I ask you for this. He'd just be walking along. God, I ask you for this. I, Lord, I would go on the mountains. You pray, you find a place. That's important. Find a place to pray where you can silence everything. But then you keep praying. You never stop praying. You begin to pray in this thing. So prayer is getting alone with God. That's important. Get alone with God. I promise you, if you have too many distractions, you need that moment that you get alone. But then you never stop. You never stop praying. Because that's when we find the power of God. That's when we experience his presence in our life. That's when he aligns us to his will. That's when he comforts us in the midst of our distress. If you've ever been in the moment of something like that, and you ran to God in prayer, you know. That's when he comforts us. That's when he aligns us. That's when he gives us his guidance. It's in these moments. So if we're going to be people that follow Jesus, we have to be people of prayer. It's not just this one-time action that we take. It's a life that we live. It's a life that we live. When you look at the way that Jesus prayed, he always put first the presence of God. Always put first. And so I just want to encourage you, church. Simple message today. I just want to encourage you. We've got to be people with a posture of prayer. Watch this, and this is the confidence we have, going back to those reasons at the beginning. First John 5, he says, The confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You know what a statement that is to make? That the God of the universe hears us? A lot of people have trouble with that statement. There have been denominations that have gone off in the deep end because they couldn't reconcile that statement. That he hears us. That he loves us so much that he would listen to us. In these moments that we pray, that's the confidence. We know that he hears us, whatever we ask. We know that we have what we asked of him. We have a God who loves us so much that he hears us. Apostle Paul from prison wrote this different translation this time in Philippians. He said, do not be anxious about anything. We need a series on anxiety, I think. We just have to, we're going to talk about that a little later this year. But he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and watch what happens in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You don't stop praying, church. You just don't stop. All throughout our life, it's available to us. Every situation it's available to us. We're aware of his goodness. 
We're aware of his grace. We're aware of what he's doing in our lives. When you're tempted by things, we have his power to overcome. When you fall, he picks you up. When you're you're doubting, he brings his presence. When you have these moments, we go to him in prayer because he is the answer. It's not just a one-time action that we take. It's a posture. It's a life that we live. It's casting our cares on him because he cares for us. It's running to him in the moments that we need him the most because he cares for us. And it's where we find that he's strengthening us. He's convicting us. He's guiding us. He's encouraging us. He's lifting us up. It's where we find those moments. And we come to a place where we don't just read the words that Jesus said. But we live a life like Jesus lived. We live a life that gives honor to God and makes a difference in the world around us. Amen, everybody? Bow your heads with me as we close today. Father, I just ask you, God, put us in a posture of prayer. Lord, that it wouldn't be some formal thing that we constantly just think it's only in the mornings or it's only on Sundays. But God, let us just live a life of prayer. We can reach out to you in every moment. Lord, that we may not have the right words to say, but we know that we can run to you when we need you. We know that you'll guide us when we seek you. We know that you'll be with us in the moments of life when we need you the most. And so I just ask you, God, make us a church that prays. In every situation, make us a church that runs to the feet of the Father in every moment. Because we need you. We declare our dependency as a church. We say we need you. We cannot do this alone. And so we pray that right now, God, we need you. All of you just continue praying this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. But maybe some of you are here or you're watching online. And right now is the moment to pray the most important prayer of your life. Because maybe you're listening to all of this and you're like, that sounds great. I wish I could run to God. But that's great for everybody else. It's not for me. Because, Pastor, you don't know what I did this last week. And you don't know what I got into. And you don't know all the list of things I have that would disqualify me from God loving me. It's great that he loves everybody else, but he couldn't love me. Listen to me. I want you to hear this today as clear as I can make it. I don't care what that list is and I don't care where you've been and I don't care what people have told you. God loves you. He loves you. And listen to me, every single one of us have sinned. If you feel convicted in your sin right now, that's important. All of us are convicted in our sin. All of us have disobeyed God. But the good news of the Bible is not that God somehow left us in our sin. The good news of the Bible, the gospel, is that God saw us in our sin and he sent his son Jesus anyways. That he saw us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That the Lamb of God who knew no sin, he was completely perfect, he died for us. That in that moment of our sin, in that moment where we felt like God could never love us, the Bible says he loved us so much that he sent his son who died on a cross in our place, who took our sins on him in our place so we could be forgiven. Listen to me, everybody. Jesus didn't go to the cross so he could condemn you. The Bible says he went to the cross to set you free. And so I don't care what you think disqualifies you. I don't care what you think is your list of reasons God couldn't love you. He loves you and he wants you. And right now is your moment that you can turn to him. God would want nothing more that you would turn to him and repent. Because all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short. But we repent of our sins. And the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us. That he would forgive us in this moment right now. 
He can forgive you. Right now, your forgiveness for your sins. We have to turn to him. We have to accept that forgiveness in our life. And so I just want to pray with you. This is not about joining a church. This isn't about eight steps and I'm going to take you in some separate room. Right now, I want to pray with you that you can follow Jesus. And we devote it as a church. We pray with you every week. Nobody prays alone. But right now, you make that decision in your heart. You say, I want that. I want to be able to run to him in every moment. I want to make that decision to follow him. I want forgiveness for my sins. I want to know that my eternity is secure. Because listen to me, he didn't stay dead. Bible says three days later, God raised him up. God raised him up that anyone could call on the name of Jesus and be saved. So right now we're going to pray that prayer. Right now we're going to call on his name. If you make that decision, right now it's between you and God. We would love to baptize you for you to go public with your faith. But right now is a decision you have to make before your creator. Every head bowed, let's pray with them, church. Right now say these words, say, Jesus, forgive me for all of my sins. I repent. I believe you died on a cross. I believe you rose again. And I make you the Lord of my life in Jesus' name. And all of God's church said amen and amen. Come on, church. Can we give God praise for what he's done today?